0: The public sector affects every aspect of life in the UK. We are PSE. This podcast will bring you exclusive news, interviews and insights from the people responsible for building and shaping the country's future.
1: We are the PSE team. I'm Ilsa. I'm Emily. And I'm Matt. And each episode, we will be joined by key figures within the public sector, covering everything from the environment to the economy.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Evo North, uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations, and build a stronger northern powerhouse together.
1: So today on the Public Sector Executive Podcast, uh, you have me, Ilse Cowan, hosting alongside Matt Roberts. And uh, today is our first episode where we've had more than one guest. Uh, today we're joined by Emin Boland, Chief Executive at GMCA and Andrew Lightfoot, the Strategic Director at Public Service Reform at GMCA as well. So thank you for joining us today gentlemen.
2: Thank you. You're welcome.
1: And uh, just to start off with, um, you can take turns, don't mind who goes first, for anyone who may not know, would you mind explaining your role and what it entails?
3: I'm Eamon, I'm Chief Executive of the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, um, which is uh, the partnership between the ten Greater Manchester Districts and the Office of the Mayor. Um, And we're responsible for discharging those functions which the districts have asked us to do at a GM level. Um, I also am Chief Executive of Transport for Greater Manchester. Um, So I'm to blame for just about everything that goes on (laughs) in the Um, ministry. I've been doing that job for uh, the last six months um, uh, on on a permanent basis. And the third hat that I wear is I'm the joint uh, uh, accountable officer for the health and social care partnership. As you know, GM's got a unique uh, arrangement for the devolution of health in the city region, so that's a a key priority for us as as we move forward. And I'm
2: Andrew, I'm the uh, Deputy Chief Executive at the uh, Combined Authority, supporting AIM and primarily at the the Churchgate end of, of, of the operation. Um, I uh, I came here in 2014 and led on this public service reform agenda but the current role um, uh, sees me deputising for Eamon across those combined authority functions working closely with the mayor the ten districts uh, and and trying to coordinate the
0: various teams that that sit in Churchgate House. Brilliant and uh, Eamon we touched on it there at the end among the very busy and many jobs uh, that you seem Mm -hmm. to do at the moment um, so you are part of um, the health and social care devolution um, in Manchester. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit more about what that actually entails? What the plans, I suppose, going forward are for this sort of change, this transformation? I presume by devolution taking control more locally.
3: Yeah, we have with the, the basic principle that we established with government early on uh, in terms of health uh, and social care was that no decision should be taken about GM without GM in, yeah. in, in the room. And that then led subsequently to the the devolution of responsibility for the NHS budget for institutions in GM, just over £6 billion a year, so it's quite a a substantial sum of money. I hasten to add it's not enough to cover the cost of the NHS in Greater Manchester, but that's another challenge for us as we we, we go ahead. Um, Why did we go down that route of seeking devolution of health and social care? I suppose it's because we are genuinely committed to inclusive growth and to equality and the most stark illustration of inequality is the difference in healthy life expectancy between people born in our most deprived neighbourhoods and with the least economic engagement and those in our more, more wealthy neighbourhoods so our approach has always been around uh, uh, the promotion of health and well-being and effectively trying to change the focus uh, in the nhs to a much more community-based preventative focus which is why Our first priority has been to create integrated health and care and public service hubs in local communities serving populations of 30 to 50,000 to try and improve our performance around prevention and the promotion of health and wellbeing closer to the home. We believe it's only through doing that that ultimately we can take the pressure off our hospital system and the hospital system in GM is under the same pressure as everywhere else and that's well reported at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean we heard sort of similar on a recent podcast had well, for our, our National Health Executive um, brand, we had uh, Mark Dumanin, who is a um, very big advocate for this sort of preventative, this um, early sort of approach in healthcare, we're seeing very much the same.
1: And Andrew, you were Deputy Chief Executive at Blackburn with Darwin Borough Council for 12 years and you led a lot of the regeneration process in Blackburn. And why did you move away from that role into the GMC after being there for such a long time?
2: I mean, I had a, a great time in, in Blackburn and I've got a real affection for um, that part of the country, East Lancashire. Um, Blackburn, historically, was a, was a member of um, what we call Ankerberg, the Association of Greater Manchester Authorities. So, there were some connections back then in the, r- the role I performed. Um, but in 2014, this was before the first um, devolution deal, mm-hmm. um, in the months running up to that, the, the then combined authority uh, made a decision to, to invest in capacity and um, um, establish this role of, of strategic director around public service reform and it was, it was a no-brainer from my perspective. It was clear that there were really good things happening in Greater Manchester and there was an opportunity opening up um, in terms of Greater Manchester's engagement with um, the then government and the, and the Chancellor uh, specifically. Um, so uh, from my perspective it was um, it was the ideal opportunity you know this was where it's at and that's proven to be the case over the last um six years now um you know it's been it's been a roller coaster but um, uh, there's no other job in public service um, uh, i believe and you know the uh, the opportunities around greater manchester combined authority and and the devolution agenda are immense so uh, it's a great place to be.
1: I can imagine you've seen a lot of change over the past few years as well.
2: Absolutely. You know, the uh, on the eve of that that first evolution deal, um, and that was a, a tipping point, I think. Things were... Um, it wasn't just a, a kind of a government paying lip service to, to localism, which has been talked about for all my career by governments of various persuasions, but I think 2014, 2015... In 2016, um, uh, was a real, real tipping point in terms of this agenda, uh, and you can, you know, you can trace a course to today and the focus on the north, um, the profile of the north in the national agenda. Um, a forthcoming devolution white paper would be interesting to see, see what's in that. But um, I'd like to think um, we've played an important role um, in getting that agenda established mm-hmm. um, nationally but we're on the, f- the first steps of a journey. You know? yeah. you know, uh, we've not got devolution of all the, uh, the functions, powers uh, that we'd potentially
0: um, aspire to, mm-hmm. um, but we've made some important steps. Yeah, and as, as you say there, it's sort of the early doors of this journey, but there are immense opportunities um, sort of that can be made of this. I know in the lead up to events that we've run ourselves with the public sector, We've um, been interviewing a lot of councils um, around the north, and one of the things that seems to always come up is about skills, about getting young people involved yeah. in skilled work. So obviously with both of you, vast experiences, I' more than the question for both of you is, what are you seeing in GMCA we're doing to maybe tackle this issue and sort of help produce this young skilled workforce? The thing that every single business I speak to in Greater Manchester
3: always tells me is that they struggle to access the skills that they need. Yeah. And, and we're seeing um, rapid growth in a number of areas in GM around digital industries, cyber security and such like where there's the, the war for talent is going to become more and more fierce. And one of the things which the Mayor has prioritised and, and we are driving forward is the need to try and make certain that young people have got real visibility on what the, work, the world of work really looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's not to criticise teachers in schools, they've got a bloody hard job to do, if you forgive the French, but um, they are not the best place to be able to advise young people on what the skill the range of skills of the business like ITV or BBC or GCHQ actually needs, yeah. because it's huge. Um, and so what we've, we do, we're doing is setting up a new portal, which we're launching today, mm-hmm. I think, um, for young people to be able to, d- look, like they through the UCAS system a whole range of information about what the skills are, what the opportunities are, what the apprenticeship opportunities are for them in, in GM and just trying to make it much, much easier for younger people to navigate into, into the, those areas. We're not only concentrating on young people though, there is a real issue for us about reskilling older workers mm-hmm. as yeah. well and um, one of the real focuses for us in terms of our ageing hub is not about healthy ageing, it's about active ageing, it is about people being engaged in, in, in the workplace. As well because there are a lot of people out there who who will be changing careers or have changed careers and need to reskill so it's a big priority for us to enable them to access all of that we're working very closely with the colleges across greater Manchester you know we've got devolution now the adult education budget we're working with them across the whole range of skills provisions to try and make certain that we are enabling people to leave education or or enter and re-leave education with skills that are relevant to where the jobs are in Greater Manchester, so it's a real focus for us. And the, I mean, the skills
2: agenda is is complex. We've we've made progress in terms of adult education budget, which is part of um, the first devolution deal. Uh, so there's a there's a hundred million pounds worth of um, uh, of support that's overseen by the combined authority for. Um, adults over 19 um, who've left school without um, uh, the qualifications that they need to succeed in in the jobs market um, but our agenda is uh, as Eamon said covers everything from early years through to um, uh, over 50s in terms of that school's agenda and fundamentally in spite of the best efforts of, of primary and secondary schools um, you know the system isn't isn't joined up um, or as sensitive to the needs of of this place um, and I mean, there's a national debate around around the school system. We've demonstrated in terms of adult education and more recently in terms of early years ensuring more more kids in Greater Manchester are school ready when they land at a primary school reception um, because if, if more kids are school ready uh, and uh, achieving, uh, capable of achieving a good level of um, learning and development, they'll succeed in school, uh, they'll go on to uh, further higher education vocational training and succeed in the jobs market. So in the, in the last couple of years we've been working with health colleagues, um, with nurseries um, with health visitors um, to develop a, a new approach to the school readiness agenda which is part of this this ambition around improving the skills of the population.
1: So sort of staying with the theme of improving skills, Greater Manchester's small businesses saw an influx in apprenticeship opportunities thanks to a £1.9 in funding at the start of the year. Um, Why are funding projects like this so important?
3: Well they're the bedrock of our ambition. If you look through the Greater Manchester strategy through our local industrial strategy. It talks all the while about inclusivity uh, and enabling people to to engage and realise their potential. So, getting businesses to realise the potential of apprenticeships, because some of them get it, some of them still don't. Mm -hmm. Getting young people to appreciate the opportunities that apprenticeship may provide for them. And of course, as you know, apprenticeships are available in places that you would never have imagined they would be. You know, places like KPMG, for all things, for good sake, that that was just you know quite a revolution. So it's really, really important that we're enabling people to make the most of the opportunities that that are there, and that's why, you know, we're we're working with businesses um, uh, to enable them to get into schools to talk more to people about the the existence of apprenticeships, the opportunities that apprenticeships create. It's why we've created the portal that we referred to earlier on, Um, and uh, it's we see apprenticeships as part of, but an essential part of, the the armory that we've got to enable people to compete in the jobs market.
2: And strategically, I mean, the skills agenda connects the um, um, the, the regeneration development priorities, the focus on, on infrastructure that we've got, what you see around you in, in the regional centre and, and in town centres across Greater Manchester uh, with the residents and the, the communities. So it's essential to the delivery of this ambition around, around the inclusive growth. Um, you know, bricks and mortar are important, but... Um, the people side of it is central to our our entire strategy. It's integrated a growth agenda, uh, an agenda around uh, skills and more effective public services to enable the population to take advantage of the
0: opportunities that growth presents. Yeah as you say Brexit more are a core part of the development and growth but if the uh, communities can't access them and utilize them to the best of their abilities there's a little point in it mm-hmm. um sort of to go a little bit back on what you said earlier and when we were talking about um young people uh one of the ways that um yous have sort of stepped in to try and um, show them what sort of skills are necessary in the workforce um was the recent scheme you launched uh, Pass, i believe for 16 mm-hmm. 18 mm-hmm. year olds uh could you talk to a little bit about what that scheme is and sort of benefits you've maybe seen from it? Well at the most rudimentary level our pass is a
3: concessionary ticket to allow young people to use the bus for free Um, and it was a key priority for for the Mayor uh, uh, in his election manifesto in 2017 but he always saw it and we always saw it as being much more than just a bus pass Uh, why were we doing it? Um, Because we felt that young people were being forced to make perverse choices because they couldn't afford not to so were people attending a local college because they could afford to get there but not attending the college that they really ought to be at because it was offering the course they wanted to do and would best yeah. suited to them. So there's a real direct link between the, the, the use of the pass and, and, and young people gaining access to the appropriate learning settings. But then beyond that, I mean the way in which uh, the most sought to of develop our pass is to link it into a whole range of different opportunities for people. So you know, you you go onto the Outpass website and you can access visits to the BBC, you can access um, home games for the reserves at United or City and and such like a a, a lot of cultural institutions. You can go to the free tickets for the Halle Orchestra, not many 16 year olds taking that one up, but there are a few. (laughs) Um, And so it's been a, a journey to try to develop that and make sure that people not only are able to travel to a place of learning, but more importantly, or as importantly, are able to realise what their city has to offer. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we've observed, and I think it's, it's, it's be often been repeated, is that a lot of younger people in our deprived communities live 10-minute lives. Yeah. They, they, they travel very little from where, where they currently are. And if we want young people to realise the potential of the place, and then realise their ability to access employment in the city centre if they live in Oldham, say, then we need to enable them to get a vision and a sense of that. So the the ambition is 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 huge. It's a pilot. It's running at the moment, and we'll evaluate it. But certainly the take up has been promising.
0: Yeah, as you sort of say there, it's maybe not necessarily the thought that people have, but actually a lot of education and a lot of this crucial education that can help in future employment doesn't necessarily just come in the classroom. It comes from the cultural experience yeah, as well, yeah. and Greater Manchester has an incredible opportunity for that. GM yeah. is full of opportunities like that. So it is a lot more than a bus pass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's
2: um, it's a, a, you know designed, as, as mean said, to, to, to raise aspirations yeah. and open up opportunities for... Young people across the city region, a city region that's um, you know got, got immense riches um, in terms of what it's got to offer. But you know there's a big social mobility objective around around it beyond it being a concessionary travel scheme. Yeah.
1: Is it connected to the, the new portal that you briefly mentioned? You've just launched. Yes. Yeah. Would you mind explaining a little bit more about what the portal? is?
3: Um, what, we'll do, what the portal is. Greater Manchester apprenticeship. And GMAC. Uh, GMAC, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll remember what the acronym stands for in a minute. I can uh, imagine
1: you have quite a few of these. Yeah, there are. There. <laughs>
3: yeah. But the, you know, the, that was the, that was born out of the, as I said earlier on, the, the, the view that you know a young person in the classroom can put their hand up and say, Sir, I want to study English at university, and they immediately have access to information about what the courses were, where they were, what they cost what the quality of them were, what the average outcomes were, what the employability of people leaving them was, everything you might want to know um, including you know, the nearest pub to the, to the university campus or whatever. If a young person put their hand up in a class and said I want to um, do a vocational course that can enable me to be an engineer, mm-hmm. an, an awful lot of teachers would just not have the bandwidth to be able to, to provide yeah. the advice. So we've tried to, 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 to replicate um, you know what somebody would have got through the UCAS system in the vocational skills area, uh, and so we've created a direct link. So if you get our pass and you get onto the website, then you get access immediately to the portal as one of the opportunities, as well as the opportunities for, for leisure activity. Um, uh, you have opportunity to, to access em- employment and vocational training and such like that through that, that that portal. So it's very consciously de- designed to link mm-hmm. together.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, and sort of, I suppose we've talked a lot about there, about skills development, about um, training, but GMCA, obviously, the yourselves cover such a wide scope. Uh, one of the other key talking points at the moment, it seems, is all about climate change, about decarbonisation. Um, I know the CPT had put the yourselves on their A-list, so to speak, of um, cities working really well towards um, tackling this sort of issue. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about what GMCA's plans and their efforts currently going on are to sort of meet the decarbonisation targets to tackle climate change? It's, it's great
2: to get the, the international recognition in terms yeah. of the progress, the... Um the city regions made. Um, you know, all of the local authorities uh, are integral to this, and have declared climate change emergency. But beyond that, have a uh, a plan um, already that's being refined and further de- developed uh, towards this ambition of um, you know net zero carbon twenty thirty eight. Um, and there are enormous challenges around that. Um, in terms of electricity supply, in terms of the retrofitting of um, existing housing stock. But we've adopted this mission-based approach to it based on... um, um the work of um, Mariana Mazzucato, um, a renowned economist based at, at UCL, um, that's, that's looking across all sectors, um, all public services, clearly the transport element, uh, engaging with housing providers, uh, the skills elements of this, uh, if we're going to do what we need to do, there's a big skills um, element that needs to be uh, supported, working closely with academics um, at, the, at the university. Um, and there's, um, uh, you know, a, a real ambition uh, to set the agenda, not just nationally, but, but internationally in terms of how partners at a city regional level uh, can, can move potentially quicker uh, and faster um, than, um, uh, than a, a government in terms of an objective and, and lead yeah. the way. So that's very much
3: part of the, the kind of rationale for this. Yeah and 2038 was not a date that was plucked out of the air I mean, mm-hmm. we're not interested in the arms race to be you know the city with the grandest target in all yeah. of this mm-hmm. 2038 is what our work with the Tyndall Centre of Imagine University recognises recognised as one of the world's okay. leading e- centres of expertise on this subject. it's what they said the science says we need to hit if we're going to, to reach the Paris Accords that yeah. 2050 is effectively too late and uh, so that's why we have that, that ambition we're not for a moment ducking this, the enormity of the challenge of getting there yeah. uh, but th- that's, that's that's what we're working towards and the dialogue we're having with the private sector is about how can we work collaboratively to support them in getting where they need to get to. If we simply wait for the private developers to reach carbon neutral development because we tell them to then I think we'll have a long and not very fruitful conversation or maybe a very short and not very fruitful conversation (laughs) um uh, so so there is a real um need for us to 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 to, to rise to that challenge and that's something that we are determined that that we that we will do
0: yeah and sort of as andrew touched on there sort of devolution and having that control within gm as well is probably quite an important aspect of that because every city has very different challenges in gm i know we previously on a podcast had um member of the Norton housing consortium in and one of the big issues they were seeing is that we have a lot of old housing in yeah. Germany. and that's one of the biggest issues is upgrading that rather yeah. than sorting the new house it
3: is and you know so we need i think we need a dialogue with government as well you know we used to have a system whereby private homeowners or or or, or, or tenants were, were incentivized to put in things like solar yeah p- panels and despite popular rumours to the contrary, solar panels work perfectly well in Manchester. But we're also of course talking to to our our major providers who are seeking to invest uh, as regulated bodies in some of the the goals that we have here. And what's clear is that yes, there's a huge challenge uh, in getting uh, significant progress with our existing housing stock, but it's also clear that there are existing, relatively boring technologies like UV. Like LED lighting, yeah. that if you can actually incentivise the use of those, you can massively reduce the carbon footprint of a building or, yeah. a, or, or, or a home. So there are things that we can do and encourage in the short term, uh, but I think there is a need for us both at the GM level, but also nationally, to think about you know how do we actually create the right set of incentives yeah. to make people make the right choices, um, so that you're investing in decarbonising your home rather than in simply putting down a new driveway or whatever it might be, you know, whatever the the improvement is you want to make.
1: And Greater Manchester is one of the big players in the Northern Powerhouse, but how important would you say the Northern Powerhouse is to authorities like yourselves?
3: I think that the Powerhouse is important. Um, uh, It's obviously been uh, written off on a number of occasions, Uh, not by us, I hasten to add. Uh, it has provided a locus in particular for the private sector to come together and create a single voice for the mm-hmm. north and it has enabled us to work through a- agencies such as the core cities and across the mayor or combined authorities in the north to have a, a much more mature dialogue with p- support of the private sector uh, the, was it, the northern powerhouse 11 the 11 northern leps are engaged around that agenda as well but the powerhouse has been a, a powerful voice Um, Was it given the prominence uh, under the May government that it had under the the previous Tory administration? No. Has it been positively promoted significantly by the new administration? Yes it has and so we're keen to work with Northern Powerhouse and with government to find a way of of really starting to deliver on the Northern Powerhouse vision. And that's, that's about skills, it's about employment, it's about economic growth. It's also fundamentally about transport. And so the dialogue that Northern Powerhouse has been promoting over what used to be called HS3, but we now proudly call Northern Powerhouse Rail, is a clear example of that. And the fact that the Prime Minister's already committed 10 billion, or well, he didn't commit a number, but he said he would, mm-hmm. th- he would build, he personally <laughs> would build, the railway between Manchester and Leeds. Thought, oh, that's enough to start. <laughs> yeah. So it, we think the House still provides a, 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 a very useful vehicle for us to articulate that single powerful message about what, if I can use the term, levelling up really means, uh, which is not just about giving different people little incremental powers that other people might have, it's about a genuine recognition of the agenda that we need to enable the North to, to, to thrive.
0: Um, and we're sort of seeing that thriving and that sort of growth in the north happen and it's making it a very incentivised place to move. We're seeing a lot of big organisations move up here, especially in the in media sectors, in government sectors as well. We've recently had um, GCHQ move up here. We've obviously got the likes of uh, BBC, ITV, um, moving up into the north. Um, is this sort of, um, I suppose it sounds stupid to say, but is this really the positive sort of action that makes it See more than just words and marketing, as you say. Not just going. We will level up the north. Actually, seeing big companies back it and move up as well. That makes devolution feel like this is a thing that is actually moving forwards.
2: I mean, I, I, you know, you, you touched on the uh, the GCHQ um, uh, move up north. That. Um, You know, demonstrated, um, we work very closely with GCHQ in terms of the options that they had. Um, What they saw was a a city region with immense potential um, in terms of uh, skills uh, and a diverse uh, community. Um, You know, historically based in in Cheltenham, um, struggling to to recruit down there. issues around um, retention of um, of employees, Um, an organization that was growing. a base in London, um, issues around um, access to skills and, and competition there uh, and around um, accessibility. Um, uh, it was it was clear from from the early discussions with GCHQ that they saw the, um, the potential of Manchester um, to the extent that you know where we are now isn't where we imagined in those preliminary discussions. The number of um, of employees that are currently based here and their plans for the future, you know that cyber security um, agenda uh, is, is only going to grow um, in terms of the opportunities, the employment opportunities around it and GCHQ's um, relocation was, was significant beyond that organisation because it sent a signal out to their supply chain um, who have followed as well so um, it isn't just about GCHQ, they've um, kind of catalyzed and kick-started um, subsequent relocations and investment in Greater Manchester by organisations that are part of their, their supply chain. So um, you know it's a great example of, um, of the opportunities uh, that we've got um, yeah. in Greater Manchester.
3: And similarly um, the, the relocation of the BBC, um, the BBC departments that came to, to Salford um, was hugely significant in its own right. Um, but actually the real significance uh, of it, it, and if you go to Media City you'll see this, is that the BBC are actually a minority player there Mm -hmm. now. uh, Because what they've done is catalyzed the local supply chain, local creative businesses um, who are now just feeding off each other and you're getting that critical mass of activity that then itself becomes a generator of of further growth. And that's been really, really important to us as well as having the likes of ITV and BBC here Starting certainly the case of the BBC to give a greater balance in terms of the North's voice mm-hmm. in, in in national national media, um, and uh, d- equally, you know, Channel Four going to Leeds. So, you know, were we disappointed they didn't come here? Of course, mm-hmm. we were. You know, but they, they've gone to Leeds, and I think that's uh, that's great for the North as a whole. That we're starting to see um, businesses like that uh, arrive here. But our aim is not just about getting people out of London to come here. It's about how we grow the economy here and there are certain advantages here that people are recognising that they can do things here that they're finding more difficult to do in London because of cost of of occupation and the rest of it. That's okay and we'll work with that but we also want to work with regional partners and with national government to attract inward investment and also to encourage indigenous businesses to invest in growth uh, as well. Um, but as I said, the environment that's been created by the arrival of such high-profile tech businesses is is a real catalyst for, for change.
1: And um, staying with GCHQ, um, they've also backed eleven Greater Manchester tech startups that focus on keeping people safe, reducing emissions, and helping the elderly as well. Would you say this is just another great benefit for the local region?
2: I mean, it's it's amazing the. Uh uh, the extent to which um, that organisation specifically has engaged with the you know the wider ecosystem mm-hmm. um, in Greater Manchester, um, uh, their their commitment uh, to to young people, the work they're doing in schools, um, it supports their objectives around uh, and their requirements around um, skill supply. Um, but um, you know they they've they've been very close partners on on broader agendas, um, and I'd like to think that's. Some degree are, um, a consequence of of the way we engage, not just with that organisation, but with others who are looking at, um, at Greater Manchester. You know, we marshalled the universities, uh, the private sector, as they were deliberating where where best in terms of this expansion, uh, and developed uh, contacts with key organisations from the the very start. You know, the bringing the four universities um, uh, in Greater Manchester together in, in discussions with. Um, with GCHQ before they they confirm the decision to move up, uh, and we're reaping the benefits of that. But that's you know that's that's the Greater Manchester approach. We're, uh, we're we're very networked um, across public, private, community, voluntary sectors, um, uh, and um, you know everyone understands uh, the, the mission, um, what what the potential is. Uh, and there's a real drive to, um, to to push forward towards the delivery of that. Um, there's a real collegiate approach to this. Uh, and within the CA that, that applies to the you know the way we work with um, the ten localities. You know, The combined authority isn't a second tier that sits above um, the local authorities in Greater Manchester. We're a single tier and that's not always widely understood out, outside of Greater Manchester. Uh, we're a single tier, there are ten local authorities, 10 localities, and then there's this 11th space that the combined authority mm-hmm. occupies where we all work collaboratively yeah. on issues of city-region significance.
0: Definitely, and a lot of the discussion we've had there has been it's been fascinating to hear, and it's been a lot of how we've got up to this stage, but as we've said throughout this uh, show, it's very much a work in progress, so we're not happy yet. We've made great strides. We've got great strides we can still make. It yeah. is in process. So for sort of the people of GM and potential listeners either looking to invest in the area or looking are involved in the area, um, what do they necessarily have to look forward to on the horizon as well? Well, I would
3: hope um, they can look forward to the delivery of a, a, a range of our ambitions and aspirations. Um, there are some very tangible things that uh, I hope they can look forward to. Um, the adoption of the Greater Manchester Spatial Framework after all these years, which is something that we're working very hard to, to get toward. Um, We're working very hard on uh, improvements to the transport network, Um, uh, the Mayor launched our network which is a really um, elegant articulation of our ambition around public transport and the ability of people to move move around in a sustainable way as, 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 as we move forward. Uh, obviously, we are, as people will be aware, in the uh, throes of evaluating the feedback from an extensive consultation about how we might modernise our bus network in, in, in the light of the, the Bus Services Act and the powers that, that it creates. So, I think those are things that I hope people can look forward to. But also, some of the things we've already talked about um, can we can we genuinely look forward to a greater degree of inclusion of all of our people in the in the wealth being generated in in the city? Uh, that's uh, the heart of our ambition, and that's something that I hope we will start to see as we move forward. The other thing that I, that I would uh, really emphasise is we are starting, it's a, it's a long journey, and it is like it is proverbial turning around the oil tanker, uh, but we are starting to see improvements in community health outcomes, in health outcomes for younger people, uh, and, and, such, and such like. <coughs> in a number of our areas where we've moved to locality-based, community-focused, preventative models of health and care. And I think we can look forward to making significant progress further down that, that route, provided, yeah. of course, we can persuade government to fund social care yeah. in an appropriate way, and we'll wait to see what comes out in the budget and the spending review, but uh, clearly we'll be continuing to, to make that case. But I think there's quite a lot for us to look forward to, and we're optimistic about the future despite Brexit. Did I say Brexit? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: thank you very much, gentlemen. That concludes all of our questions for today. It's been great to speak to you both and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much and goodbye from Ilse and my co-host,
2: Yeah,
0: Definitely, It's, it's been a delight and we've covered so many different aspects there. I'm sure every one of our listeners will have had something that's been really important for them to hear. So thank you for taking time, genuinely. You're welcome. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Evo North. Uniting leaders from the public and private sector to collaborate, share exciting innovations and build a stronger northern powerhouse together. Join in the conversation using hashtag WeArePSE or send us an email using the form on our website and let us know the questions you want answering.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast and discussions, don't forget to like and subscribe or give us a rating on whatever streaming service you're using. Thanks for listening. See you next time.